Hell yeah. Alright, ready? And welcome back to another episode of Mostly Ghostly with myself, Matthew Fisher, and over here I have Ray Booten with me. How you doing, Ray? Not bad. How about you? Not bad, not bad. Doing pretty well, doing pretty well. It's a special episode today, you know. We have a we have a wonderful guest with us this evening. And gentlemen that we've we both kind of I think met for the first time recently in the last year or so. You know what I mean? We met him in the acting world, you know, the filmmaking world. He's an actor. Um, we first seen him in the film Stray. Very well done by the our friends at Fatfoot Films over there. Doing a big. Just got some streaming, I believe. For all the details, hit up their Facebook page, Fatfoot Films. Um, and then we worked with this gentleman on a project called Special Treatment. Our next endeavor, our, our next, our next meal for the world, are our, our to, to to keep everybody plentiful and, and well nourished in film. Um, our next project, uh, and that man is Ethan Rod. Hey guys, thanks for having me on. It's hey. a pleasure. Um, I'm pumped to be on the show with you guys and i can't wait to work with you all again because quite oh, yeah. frankly i had a blast hell yeah man it was a lot of fun unfortunately covid came to town and kind of slowed things down a little bit but just a little bit just a little bit we won't let it get us down no not at all we will prevail you know hopefully um, you know that's 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 the end goal right i think that's I think that's what so. we're all supposed to trying to do trying to be doing is prevailing over this thing i'd hope so I would hate to see what the, 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 the people rooting for the opposite. You know what I mean? Um, you know, I never, I love the movie 12 Monkeys with yeah. Bruce Willis and Brad Pitt. I love that movie. But I don't find it realistic anymore because it presupposes a world where people would want to stop a virus. As opposed to nowadays where, like, you've got the anti-vaxxers, regardless of how you feel about it. Uh, you know, I'm just throwing out what's going on out there in the world right now. You've got people who don't want to wear masks, anti-vaxxers. You've got all these different elements that kind of make these, oh, let's all try and fight the disease movies seem unrealistic to some degree, in my opinion, because we can see how it plays out in real life and in the movies, everybody seems to be on the same page. Well, we'll stop the virus. I don't know. It's just kind kind of... It is a movie, after all. True, true. It's... Yeah, it's a uh, movies always have an overall. They go for that old the, the coming together of humankind. Mm-hmm. They, they, I don't think they they don't expect they didn't go that deep into it. I think. Well, Twelve Monkeys was that a book originally, or was that an original? No, I don't. Work? I think that's an original work. Although I'm not entirely okay. sure. Um, I know they did like a spinoff TV show that was okay, yeah. but I never really watched it. Uh, but yeah, I love that movie. Fantastic film. Terry Gilliam, I believe, directed that one of like the Monty Python. And, yeah, I think uh, I think so. He's like a super talented filmmaker. He doesn't get enough credit for. It. He's kind of in the same ballpark as like a Sam Raimi or a Peter Jackson, whereas or Coen Brothers, where their camera work is always stylized and it's like all over the place. I like that a lot. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. Yeah. Speaking of things that, you know, might be a little all over the place and stuff, you know, like the uh, the paranormal world, people would say. Yeah. Damn, it's all over the place, right? Because you, you got all these different things that are unknown, you know what I mean? And what's funny about the circumstance oh, yeah. right here is that I found out that Ethan used to do a little investigating himself back in the day during small talk. 
And of course that sprung my Just curiosity. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so how'd uh, you we get into that. Well, I'm a former military police officer. Um, I served five years in the army, uh, in that capacity. Um, I deployed to Afghanistan from 2013 to 2014 as a military police officer, worked on a base, uh, the second largest base in the country. Uh, there were 60,000 people there during the summer. I think the base was 12 square miles by four square miles, and there were about 32 of us at any given time. So we ended up doing a lot of casework. Um, everything that would happen in the civilian world happens on a military base in a foreign country, and you're dealing with all sorts of different people. So I got a lot of experience on the ground doing the job that way. And I, I kind of had a knack for it. Um, I had some mental health issues. I ended up leaving the, the military because of my mental health issues. And over the years, as part of my recovery uh, in that, I've found ways to continue to do the work, continue to investigate. And what I found was a plethora of unanswered questions. Yeah. And if there's one thing I can't abide, it's an unanswered question. So I started going to work. And since then, I've just kind of, I haven't, I'm, I'm not really a, an investigator or detective. I consider myself more of a consultant mm-hmm. than anything else. Um, and since I kind of put myself in that headspace, things have been coming along. I don't really look for them. They just kind of, I just kind of let the universe feed things to me as, as needed. Yeah. And uh, I've come across some absolutely strange 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 stuff and this is to uh, say the least yeah do tell do tell can we get an example well yeah so um we filmed uh a co- we had a covid film that we did called do it like andy uh coming soon we've got the teaser out here's my plug watch yeah. it i think it's funny um i think there's a couple of things that we accomplished in the film that i'm super proud of one of them was the location that we found um, my screenwriting partner and producing partner, Henry Columbar, he and I were out scouting locations for another project. And we found this place in Antrim, New Hampshire, that's abandoned in place. Um, it's an abandoned house on 32 acres with all these old cabins from the thirties, the twenties and the there's an old party site and it's abandoned since about the seventies or so. And we got in touch with the property owner the original real estate listing agent on it. It's been on the market so long. The original agent died. Hmm. Um, and, you know, it's just one of those houses where you go in it and everything's exactly the way they left it. There's still dry cleaning in the closet upstairs. Really? There's fur coats, mink fur coats in the closet downstairs. There's a piano. There's wedding pictures on the mantle. Beyond. I want, pre- a, mink. I want to rock a mink coat. Oh, not these ones. I mean, maybe, I don't know, but either way. And while we were filming, one of the (laughs) funny things that happened was I went out to get lunch for everybody and uh, a cop shows up while I'm gone and they're talking to my, my guys on the set and uh, the cop was like, yeah, I've uh, never been in there. I've never met anybody who has been in there. And they're like, well, why? He was like, cause of the witches. And then he got in his car and he freaking left. No explanation, none of that. Just, yeah, because of the witches, out. And when we were there, I mean, uh, Henry and I went back a couple weeks after the initial shoot to get B-roll footage, and I had to leave. There was something there. There was, there was things moving around, um, 
footsteps upstairs and Henry and I both were in different parts of the property. At one point I was working on one thing in the living room and he was actually outside and he heard the same bang that I heard inside outside. So it was loud enough to get both of our attention. Yeah. I just personally felt absolutely drained after that. And I was like, yo dude, I think we've got enough. Let's get the hell out of here. Yeah. But that set, that ambiance, you can't pay for that. Mm. You can't, get someone to dress a set like that because it's real. Yeah. It's an actual place that's super freaking creepy. And I think that's going to come across in the film incredibly well. Yeah, I think it does. It's one of those deals. I, I always would recommend that, you know, if you, if you have the access to the, the location that you're doing it on or a place that is haunted or whatever, do it because it's very possible they'd want to be involved with the film as well, you know. And who are we to rob them of that? They've been around absolutely. The way I look at, it, I've been thinking about hauntings a lot, yeah. And uh, just the idea of it. Could you imagine how pissed you'd be if you got stuck in one place so long you became a tourist attraction? Yeah. I mean, they're like, "Why are the ghosts angry, dude?" Like, wouldn't you just put yourself in their shoes for like two seconds? Yeah. They've been there for X number of years, and you're a tourist. Yeah, we were we were at talk, talking about the Lizzie Borden house recently. Mm. How like people not only are they tourists, but they mock the whole killing and stuff. You know what I mean? It's like where where is that like a good idea? Like how's how's that? Yeah. Going even if even if there's no you know spiritual ramifications, that's just bad form. Yeah. You know, it's like like really. Yeah. Why would you do that? So I think maybe the whole concept of of the whole ghost hunting thing. Maybe that needs to just change a little bit. Maybe if we just improve the places where these spirits live, they'd be a little bit happier. And they wouldn't be messing with people all the time. I mean, if I lived in a dump and tourists showed up asking me to do creepy shit, I'd probably get pretty annoyed. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And that's how it's approached, too. You know, they're out where we, you know, an investigator would always be asking for something, you know. Yeah. It's like having you show show up with a bucket of paint and some brushes. Put on some good tunes. Maybe they'll. Maybe you'll get a better reaction out of them. You know, like they used to be human after all. Man, I would love a world where you could put on tunes, put out paintbrushes, and have the ghost paint like a painting. Imagine that. Oh world. my god, that'd be awesome. If I, I'd hang that in my house. <laughs> Absolutely. So the thing I mean, with just, the yeah yeah no go ahead. The thing with the witch, you brought up the witches real quick. Do you know? Did you ever figure out any like connection between witches and that? I did not, but I found a lot of synchronicities um, between names of people yeah. that were working on my cast and names of people that we found in newspaper clippings on the property. Interesting. Like, yeah, like my photog- my cinematographer, Chris Dempsey, we're going through one of the outbuildings a uh, week before the shoot. I wanted to do a quick walkthrough with him just so he knew what he was getting into. And we find these old newspaper clippings about this dude named who's a doctor named Dempsey from like 60 years ago, giving a town hall lecture about some one thing or another. Yeah. But just the synchronicity of having my cinematographer named Dempsey and it being on the property. Um, that's pretty cool. Stuff like that. I, I, no, he was a doctor. Oh, a doctor. Yeah. yeah. I, I've seen a few horror movies where like, even like Freddy Krueger is kind of like that, where the kids, the, the kids are all kind of connected back to it. You know what I mean? Now exactly. imagine, now imagine if they were, you guys were all connected 
you know what I mean, and did something bad to those witches, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, no, and that, that's a horror movie in and of itself. Yeah. Um, not a bad story idea, though. Let's put a pin in that one. Let's do it. Yeah, no, I'm down. It sounds like a good time to me. Yeah. Um, but one of the things I'm most proud of of the film is we got it all shot in one day. Do it like Andy. We did, yeah, we did all the shooting in one day. It was a, it was a lot of work. Um, the only people who had any real set experience were myself and my sound guy. Yeah. Everybody else had never made a movie before. Um, and we all just kind of coalesced around the idea and knocked it out. I'm super proud of the work that we did. Yeah. I mean, sometimes the passion of wanting to do something's more important than like the knowledge of doing it and knowing how to do it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And there's a, the other project I'm working on right now is more of a long-term project. We're looking to try and shoot a a pilot for that because the story itself is it's just too big, yeah, to do as a, a short film or as a feature length. Um, so I think, thankfully, with the Netflix format, people are far more open to having stories more drawn out, yeah, um, which is great for writers and actors because it gives you more time to develop your characters. Yeah, TV is like the superior medium at this time, especially with COVID. Yeah, I mean, what's crazy is like it was working that way to before COVID, and when COVID hit and like really like hammered out the theaters, like, yeah, TV even more superior. It's crazy. It really is, but I think the best thing we can do as artists would be to just roll with that. Yeah, yeah. You know, don't try and resist that change too hard. I'm not telling people to not make movies, obviously, yeah. but. I think short films and series will be far more well-received going forward. That's just my personal opinion. No, I'm with you. Um, but that project has taken me down some wild roads. Um, I can't get into a whole bunch of the details simply because we are still working on it. Um, it's all based on a true story. Yeah. Everything that we're going to talk about in the series, I can tell you the name. It's called Trunks. I've heard a Very, little bit about this film. Yeah, um, all based on a true story. I literally couldn't make this shit up. Um, if you've seen True Detective, imagine that only way worse than in real life. Yeah, talking like the first season of True Detective, and then you stretch that out over. I can take this all the way back to 1859. You guys gonna go period piece with it? I'm, we might have to. Ah, the, you gotta. It looks Simply great. Because it always looks great. Yeah, I mean it's <laughs> the one of the one of the people involved in this. So just let me give you a quick taste of yeah. what I've been finding. This is where my investigator brain takes over. So there's a woman involved who was born in 1859. Now I'm going to ask you a question. What do you think the average life expectancy of a woman born in 1859 was? 35, 40, maybe 39. Ah, well. <laughs> But think about that. 39 years old. This woman died in 1950. So the person I've been looking at was born in 1859 and died in 1950. That's insanity. Yeah. Are you, you hearing this, Ray? I'm hearing. So I've got one. I've got to figure out what. what? Yeah, exactly. What is that? You know, like... like like you're 90 years old, almost 91 years old. And from all accounts, she'd started to lose it towards the end, about 1948. But still, 
Like, how have you kept yourself alive? It brings in the question if death is only in the mind, and if something in your head slowed down life in your mind, could you live longer? What do you think? Mm, I think she had a disease called prophyria. That helped her live longer? So, uh, are you familiar with uh, the disease called the madness of King George? No. Okay. So, prophyria, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing this properly. Um, Prophyria is a blood disease. Basically, your cells, after a triggering event, um, stop producing heme, stop producing red blood cells. The replication process that takes place in your system shuts down. And there are only certain ways to keep yourself alive because it'll drive you insane. Hmm. Um, People with this disease properly taken care of have been known to live unnaturally long lives. Because the best way to take care of it would be to ingest heme. Okay. So I think hemoglobin. Hemoglobin. Okay. 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 Yeah. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So I my worst fear about this is I've found the Highlander. Yeah. You know, like I've suddenly come across like the actual, like an actual Highlander who's going to be like, "What are you doing?" (laughs) I didn't didn't mean to find a real immortal you know witchy that sounds very witchy it's it's, so that's the tip of the iceberg yeah with this one case with this one facet of one part of this investigation into trunks and it's because it stretches over such a long period of time and i can tie it from 18 the 1850s when she was born yeah to the 1920s and 30s all the way through the fifties and up into 1983 and now into the present day for my current investigation. So this spans an incredible length of time covering a series of very despicable crimes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Pretty sweet. Yeah. That's a sweet deal. It's it's very witchy. Yeah. And it's all a true story. Um, I've got, I've had interviews with, the children of some of the people who may have been involved in this, um, the grandchildren of a couple of one of the victims from the 1950s. Um, people keep coming out of the woodwork saying that they've been impacted by this or that they've been involved in it somehow ancillary, not directly involved, but they, but like my grandfather, mm-hmm mentioned things like this and people keep coming out of the woodwork. And one of the people I interviewed first, uh, totally threw up walls, right? This guy totally didn't want to talk to me. I don't even know why he agreed to the interview, but he was lying through his teeth to me. Yeah. Um, he, he tried to stop me. He's like, why do you, why are you getting into this? Nobody really cares about this shit. And I was like, well, I'm sitting here talking to you. So I care. Yeah. And there's a whole bunch of people behind me who care. So we're working on that. We have uh, connections directly with the detectives that were involved in 1983. um, Some of the other people that were involved. And the idea will be to, and so we're going to try and do a documentary. But the problem is a lot of people are dead. Mm. And it's hard to do a documentary when most of the people are dead. Yeah. And And the other half don't want to talk to you at all. Um, so we decided with the permission of uh, the key players involved, we're going to serialize it. 
and change the names, locations, things like that to protect the innocent. But the best way we agreed after talking with them, that the best way to, to do this, to draw the audience in and actually to tell this true story um, would be to dramatize it yeah, and put it out like that. Um, some of the craziest, some of the more disturbing things I've actually ever encountered, like child sacrifice, check, um, illegal adoptions, check, illegal abortions, check, um, corruption, check. I, I got it all, man. Like this is like up and down the line. It could go, it goes up as high as the, the state level for sure. And potentially the federal level as well. So I'm not sure exactly what I've got my hands on. I know you got my hands on it. <laughs> That's one of them things. It's like the, the old family, like the mangler. Anybody ever seen the mangler, that old, old blood going back? Mm. Oh yeah. No, it's uh, a lot of the traditions we can see were carried over from when the uh, Irish clergy carried over a lot of their traditions from Ireland uh, to the United States, as far as like the uh, houses for homes run wet mothers. Um, and of course we know about the washing facilities in Ireland uh, where they found hundreds of babies in wells. Um, if you don't know about that, you should look into that because it's horrific. They found hundred babies, dead babies in wells. Yeah. So if you don't know about the Irish laundry facilities, the Catholic church ran series of laundry facilities throughout Northern Ireland for a long time, a hundred years plus time. Um, And basically this is where unwed mothers and young children, unwanted children would be sent. And yeah. Uh, That that text tossed away. Yep. And uh, you know, it's been a big scandal now because a lot of these facilities are closing or have closed. And when people are going back through them, they find babies and wells. So yeah. I love I love I feel the witch element very much. We did an episode earlier in the season on witches. Um you know, they're real creepy because uh they're like real, you know, the they put them in the same categories of vampire, Frankenstein, werewolves, but like they're they're more realistic and there's supernatural elements to it, but it's really just, it's like a black magic-y thing. You know what I mean? Like the, the, the gentleman who came on and talked about it, uh, he had like an altercation with, and he said they were like, honest to God, Irish witches, like way like the original deal. And um, they had to get like, they get, they each gave him something. And what, if you accepted it, like it was money in both circumstances where he was given money and he took the money. And once you take it in, they can like get in your head. And then he, he had dreams and they were in his dreams type deal. It was weird. But like the witch thing is very interesting. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it's that old world. I mean, I don't know how much of it I actually buy as far as like black magic, but I think a lot of it's a, a placebo to some degree. Um, it's a way of explaining things that we can't understand, but you know, sometimes people do stuff and it works. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I'm, I, I remain skeptical, but I've, been from one side of this planet to the other and i've seen a lot of strange things and conventional wisdom doesn't always explain all of it because we live on a ball of watery moss spinning through a universe and just this particular patch of space that we're in for like the last ten thousand years or so we've been flying through this cosmic cloud from a supernova so who even knows 
Yeah, yeah. Like, who even knows what the hell's going on? We're talking about witches and ghosts and spirits and everything, but we neglect the fact that we're this little ball of friction spinning through yeah. space over and over and over again. It's all happening simultaneously. Yeah. Mind-boggling. It is mind-boggling. You know, maybe it's just a combination of, you know, the friction through space and the way our water bodies interact with it on a level that we just can't perceive. Yeah. That's, that causes any number of different effects. It doesn't need to be, you know, God or an afterlife or anything. It could just be science and like, oh yeah, by the way, that's a really freaky patch of space you guys have been flying through. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) Ray, how do you feel up there? Up there in the corner. Well, as far as the whole witch thing goes and the spells, I believe that there is uh, something behind that. They can manipulate uh, energies, and that can influence people. Yeah. Um, As far as living long, that could be a disease. Uh, An interesting thing is um, my father, uh, he had Two bouts of cancer, later in life, got leukemia. Survived for about 40 years. Uh, he had a setback later on. I remember talking to him. He was in the hospital. And this is where I think mindset comes in a little bit and how much the mind vibrations can affect the body. He said to me, I'm not going to win this one, am I? And I told him it was okay to let go. I went home that night. I got the call that he passed. But he was one of those people that he didn't care what hit him. No. He was not going to stop. And he survived when he shouldn't have, should not have for years way past when they said, uh, I mean, he, he first came down, his first case of cancer was in his 40s, and he died in his 80s. So he, I mean, with him, it was all the mind. Now, what does the mind do? Does it tap into an energy and a quantum level? I mean, how does it work? We haven't even figured it all out. Yeah. And if, you, if you're talking about quantum physics and you're starting to talk about energies, yeah, what about the magnetic field around, electromagnetic field around the Earth? What about uh, solar radiation? And it just goes on and on and on. We, we don't have the answers, but there's a potential in there that uh, on a positive side, that energy can keep you going. On the negative side, if someone can manipulate it, such as the witches, yeah. then they can harm and destroy you. It's true. I would. I wouldn't call that a disease either. I'd say that was like a superpower. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like uh, they should be like harvest harvesting that to try and help people live longer. You know what I mean? If you were to call well, that disease, why? No. Here's what. Here's what I think. I found as far as the uh, long life, just because of some of the other connections that have been played into it in the time frame that we're talking about when this would have been scientifically discovered would have been 1940s post-war um we can get into operation paperclip and all the other stuff about the scientists they're bringing over i think what they found in this person because of their certain connections to this individual um was patient zero level stuff she had been sustaining herself i'm like like i said i can't get into a whole bunch of the details but you know there's enough out there to where your listeners could probably pick up on what I'm talking about. Um, 
I think whoever was working with her as far as managing her illness later in her life discovered that she was a patient zero level kind of a find because she'd been extending her life for as long as she had been. And that's when you start seeing the first gene drives in Harvard. Uh, 1948 was the first gene drives. Um, they started to really get into genetics in the 1950s. Um, I think what they found was a life extension technology. And it was one of those things that in the Cold War, post-war era, just kind of got wrapped up, pushed under a rug. Yeah. And, you know, now some 50 years later, we're seeing that technology come out. But, you know, there's the long-held conspiracy belief that the military is at least a decade or plus ahead of us. So if that stuff's coming out now and we're seeing amazing results with it, imagine what they actually had behind the scenes all this years ago. You know, so I think it's a perfect confluence of technology and um, opportunity. Yeah. And, we talk about the invisibility cloak often on the show. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, no, it's, it's yeah. light bending technology, just the yeah, ability yeah. to bend light properly madness of it all you know what i mean and uh, like i like to point out it's all happening simultaneously you know none of these things that we're talking about exist in a vacuum which i think is hilarious you know because oftentimes i feel like people will talk about them like they exist in a vacuum but it's like no it's not just aliens it's it's aliens and ghosts and interdimensional beings and lizard people it's like you got to layer all of it and by the end of it you feel like a crazy person yeah um which is why it's important to always try and keep in touch with reality. Yeah. What's your take on inter- interdimensional beings? I'm a big fan of that one. I think it could be a thing. Yeah. How the hell are we, how would, how would we know we're monkey people? You know, like we only started flying less than about a hundred years ago. Plus maybe. Yeah. If there's uh, universes, however many billion years old, we know that there's matter we can't see or perceive. I mean, I don't see why it couldn't be a thing, whether they're actually talking to us or not. Yeah. That remains to be a hotly debated subject. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's a possibility. Yeah. I mean, why wouldn't it be? It's more fun. Yeah, sure. You, is. Know, it, you know, everything that we've seen about the universe tells us it's vast and we can't possibly comprehend all of it. So I'm not willing to say no. Yeah. You, uh, what's your beliefs on when you die? What do you think happens? Oh, fingers crossed that nothing happens. That would be, yeah, ultimate best case scenario. You just fade out, you know, that's your best case. Um, I also understand that energy can't be created or destroyed. Yeah. I think that that goes somewhere. I don't know where it goes. Um, I don't know how much of what I am currently gets retained from that. Yeah. Um, if we go back to the Akashic records and download and chill out and then go back and have no knowledge again because we've downloaded everything that we had, that could account for some, you know, reincarnation logic about, you know, why don't you remember everything? Well, if you know, you give, if you wipe your hard drive and give your computer to somebody else, there shouldn't be anything left on there. Right. You know? Yeah. Just putting that out there. But it also calls into question, you know, like how many, my problems with reincarnation, there's exponentially more life being created every second on earth. I mean, semi-sentient, 
to sentient life. Yeah. And you're telling me all these beings have been reincarnated to some degree or another? Well, they could yeah. be, uh, Ray, you might know more about this than myself, but it's, uh, it's not just humans. I believe they come back as animals and. Oh, absolutely. Such. That's, you know. That's what I'm saying. But like the the rate of of expansion, yeah, would be drastically higher than the rate of exit. <laughs> you know, so so where where are these where are these spirits and souls coming from, and why are they getting stuck on planet Earth as a worm? <laughs> you know, like not yeah. every reincarnated on Earth is from Earth. Yeah, the vast the vast universe out there. How do I even know if I was reincarnated? What I was, if I was from Earth to begin with? It's true. I mean, aliens. I imagine if there's a alien alien life, and that could be animal or intelligent life, they're in the same reincarnation process as we are, as long as they're living in this three D reality. We could just bounce around like Super Mario Galaxy. That'd be you know awesome. I mean? That would be pretty cool, actually. It's That'd more hopeful. It's definitely yeah. more hopeful than the black. You know what I mean? The darkness side. Agreed. It's, it's more hopeful and it's more exciting. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's a belief system or not, but it's it's an idea. I don't know. I'd like to think that blackness had dreams too, like uh, you were like a never-ending dream where you you know, you know your memories. You know, you take your memories with you and such that you're you're at least allowed to take them with you. You know what I mean? I would hate to think it was a. Cleaning of the slate, because, you know, we all know we can't take physical things with us, but our memories and such and our thoughts and opinions is something we can take, and it'd be a terrible thought. I'm investing that I can take those things with me, at least. So it'd be terrible to find out that I can't bring my thoughts and memories with me. They they, they, they stop me at the gate and take my mental baggage and say, you can't take it. Uh, that'd be unfortunate. I don't support yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if that, that seems to uh, denote a lack of choice. Maybe it'll be like the airport where they just charge you an extra 65 bucks a bag when you get there. Right. Problem solved. There you go. Be like, all right, so with the uh, premium package, you can keep all of your memories. I'm sorry, what, what package? <laughs> the premium package. Oh, yeah. You didn't buy the premium package. So, yeah, no, that actually kind of reminds me of the, the project I'm working on right now. Because yeah. Trunks is a long-term thing, like I said, but I've got a winter project coming up called Heaven. Heaven? Um, I like Heaven. It. Yeah, it's, uh, the tagline is going to be Welcome to Eternity. And it's about four people who find themselves on an elevator to heaven. They're able to determine that it's moving up. They take that as a good sign instead of going down. You know, they see the replay of their life, and it's it's a it's kind of a uh, reverse Dante's Inferno. Yeah. So instead of Dante taking, or instead of Virgil taking Dante through the nine layers of hell, it's going to be Jesus escorting these people through some of the layers of heaven. Um, yeah, I'm really excited about it. It's going to be a ton of fun. Is it a comedy, or is it going to be a more serious tone? And dark comedy, both. yeah, yeah, uh, a little dark comedy. We're gonna get some uh, some commentary in there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I grew up in a very strict Christian faith version of the faith, right wing Reconstructionist, fal- fundamentalist Calvinist. Yeah, That's what they were they were technically called. 
Um, so I grew up in a very, very strict version of that. And uh, I'm going to show what heaven looks like from that perspective. Because yeah, I think I'm... hell, hell is hell is boring to me. Yeah, hell is is, is it, it holds absolutely zero interest because I've seen it. Yeah, you know, I've seen it in every movie. I've seen every demon. I've seen every little blah blah blah. blah. This is like, come on. Yeah. Um. So that's boring. So I want to show people stuff they haven't seen before. And one of the places that people don't go unless you're a silly Christian movie is heaven. Because quite frankly, I think people think heaven's boring. Yeah. Um, I think it's hilarious. That was the, I've always, cause I grew up in a Christian home as well. And I've always got that vibe. It was weird. It was like, it was so, it was painted so perfect that it was boring. I, I never understood that part of it where everybody wanted to go to this place. That was, I can understand the love and the harmony and all that, but for the most part, it's pretty boring. You know, it was a lot yeah. of, praising and stuff and i don't i don't know if i buy into like you know they the the golden streets and all that and the mansions and all that i don't quite believe that one you know it's gonna be uh i think people are gonna get a a shocking kick yeah out of out of heaven yeah it's uh low budget no budget that's kind of the way things are these days with covid <laughs> um i've got a pretty solid cast lined up i still need one person um, but I just need to ask the guy that I want to do it to do it. Real and, uh, <laughs> I would, but I, I, I got to bring it back for somebody who was in do it like Andy. Okay. I'm so you. I owe him. Um, and yeah, we're going to try and shoot that come the end of December. Probably just do I, so it the same way. You've been shooting through COVID. You said, yeah, very How small. You liking that? Um, I personally enjoy it because it's given yeah. me an opportunity to really stretch my creative legs. I feel like young actors, um, or not necessarily young, but new actors in the scene up here feel like they've got to wait a lot for yeah. a role to come around. And I don't like waiting for other people to hand me stuff. So I'm going to write it myself yeah. and I'm going to shoot it myself. And I'm going to get the people around me who I trust, who I've known for 20 years to participate in it because I know that they're going to see the same thing that I'm seeing in my brain. Do it like Andy came out. Like I see it in my brain, like the vision I had for the whole film in my head. That's exactly how we got it. And that's only because I trusted the people around me. So that's what I'm going to do with heaven. I've been enjoying the hell out of shooting um, because it's a very small group. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you pretty much handpick the people that you want to be there to be there. And if you're on that list of people, you want to be there. Yeah. So there's no hanging on or somebody's just being like, oh, I'm just here for the BG work or I'm just trying to get this done or whatever, you know, pad my resume. No, this is about the passion. That's how I feel about making films right now. Right now, it's about the passion. And keeping that spark alive in yourself as an artist. Yeah. And finding ways to work through it because... Pre-COVID, I feel like people feel like they could get away with a lot more because they're you could always pull more people in. Yeah. In the post-COVID world, you've got to look at what you've got. There was a saying that I loved from when I was overseas. It was like, don't tell me what you could do with what you don't have. Tell me what you can do with what you do have. Yeah. And, That's you know, cool. you look at that situation and you make it work. I have, yeah, you know, I haven't thought of, 
I haven't thought of that element of how 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 a lot of people have been saying, you know, with the theaters down and Hollywood taking the big hit, uh, is it going to be easier for independent films to get on? And I don't really think it, it's going to be easier for them to get on. Uh, but I, I never even thought of the element of that, of, you know, these big crews can't, you know, if, if you're a smaller budgeted, like indie, but, you know, with money, you know, you got a big crew you got to attest to, and the people they can get out there with a handful of people are the ones that will kind of move, get in there, move quick, know what you want. You know what I mean? And just get in there and get out. I think that, that those teams will be the groups that kind of, you know, benefit. Those will be in, independent filmmakers that kind of benefit from the, this awkward time that we're going through right now. Absolutely. And right now it's about the experience because that was my directorial debut. Do it like Andy. And I want to get right back into it. And do it again. Yeah. You know, because there's so many lessons that we learned from do it like Andy that I can't wait to learn the next set of lessons after applying <clears throat> all the lessons that I just learned. Yeah. And Taika Waititi. Um, one of my great film inspirations and heroes. Uh, we filmed a rough cut of what they do in shadows on a VHS recorder. And the shots that he shot on that recorder were the exact same shots that they set up and did with the actual big budget cameras. Hmm. But he said, be like, no, you just have to get it done. Yeah. Even if you go back, just get it out there. I was like, okay, we're just going to get it done. Yeah. And it's been, it's been a blast. Yeah, that's the attitude that'll get everybody through this situation. Just get out, do it, just do it. Yeah, no one's, there's no talent police. Tom Hanks said that. There's no talent police that's going to show up on your door and knock on your door and be like, I heard you wanted to do movies. Come with us, please. Yeah. Like, no, that shit doesn't exist. I'm going to, I want to grind it out to where the people that I want to work with, I want them to work, I want them to want to work with me. Yeah. That's how hard I want to grind. For those people to be like, oh, wow, I, I want to work with him now. Yeah. That's what I'm shooting for. Hell yeah. You're in a good place for that. I remember the time when I directed my first thing and it, the, 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 the energy around it was really good. I dig it. Ray's going to be doing a directorial debut soon. Nice. Killing it. Look at that. You got a great look up there, Ray. I love that look, dude. Look at that. The cigarette in the room. Killing it, dude. Mm, that reminds me. I could go for a butt. Ooh, it's butt time. It is. It's butt o'clock. It's butt o'clock, man. Yeah, so really bummed that we didn't get a chance to shoot your script. Hey, we will, though. It's coming. It's one of those things. I, I really want to do that movie. I've been thinking, like, don't think I haven't forgotten about it. I still I think about that script. Broken. Yeah, me too. It's, 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 it was solid. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's going to be good once we get get back into that. We're going to have a small crew on that. We our crews are usually not that big to begin with, so we won't have to adapt too heavy. And then, uh, we just get a couple more people, fill out a couple more spots. Oh yeah, and uh, start planning it out because yeah, uh, definitely wait. that's next up for sure. Yeah, for me. Well, that's perfect. I mean, I've got, like I said, I've got heaven. I need to do a second cut or a second draft of the script yeah. because one of my characters is just too bad. Yeah. You write a character and you're like, oh, he's going to be a bad guy. And you write it and you're like, ooh. I've got, yeah. I've, uh, dialogue wise, I have. DJ Stan the Man, when it was DJ Stan the Man, he was written foul. And then there was a few times when he, he did some improv. And then when you're on, when the scenes are all cut up, and he pops an improv in there, and you, you don't really think of it. 
And then when you cut it together, you realize maybe there's one or too many F-bombs in this that should be here type deal. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a, there's a difference between, like, conversational vulgarity and that's just a little over the line there, Parker. Yeah, yeah. You know, like that, that fine <laughs> line where it's like, where is that line between sex and potatoes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm all I'm a stickler on that. I'm all I'm the first person to complain. I hate when people put like overdue swearing in film. It kills. It destroys it. It does. You know, overdue it like it's it's what I like. One of those things I like to refer to in films called un, uh, unnecessary buffness. Yeah. You know, where it's like a uh, perfect example of this would be in uh, what's that movie with Ryan Reynolds? The horror movie with Ryan Reynolds. Amityville um, Horror. Evil horror. There's that one shot where he takes off and he's got his shirt off and he's man is cut. Oh yeah, you know, like it's just jacked. Like, to- like I didn't realize that hauntings made you so jacked. Yeah. You know, like when did your character in between sets find time to be scared? It's true. You know, it's like you're, you're, it's completely unnecessary, and it, it quite frankly it took me out of the film when I was watching it. Because I agree. It's it's totally on this. The, the the original Amityville Horror, the dude was like middle age, had a beer gut, beer gut beard. Yeah. He wasn't cut, you know. Yeah. Props to Ryan Reynolds for really for throwing his body into it. Like totally didn't work for the movie though. Unnecessary buffness. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, he was probably doing something that called for buffness that was more important to him around that time. Maybe probably or something. Yeah, yeah maybe I don't know, but like. Either way, like I heard uh, Blake Lively was, and he were doing an interview. They're just an adorable couple to listen to. Yeah. Uh, he was like, he was getting up at 4 a.m. to go work out for this movie. And I was like, well, why? Fucking sleep, bro. Yeah, You're it's not that type of movie. You're being haunted. Put on some weight. Even better, don't sleep. And just go to set and look like shit. Blake Lively is a great actress as well. And- Fantastic actress. Her in the town was phenomenal. I, I love when I see people really act down. You know what I mean? I love that, dude. It's so good when like really talented people go real. Like they're like, yeah. The Christian Bale and the fighter was really good too. That was great stuff. Local stuff. Oh yeah. Perfect example of of a character or an actor putting himself in the exact opposite direction yeah. of unnecessary roughness. You know, where it's like, when do you really find time? I used to be really in good shape. I'm not trying to brag or anything, but I was like 195. Yeah. Almost no body fat doing one arm pull-ups when I wanted people to leave the room. Yeah. Like that's, that's the kind of person that I was. Yeah. Um, I've lost a lot of that because it takes a ton of work. Yeah. You know how much energy and food you got to eat. It's not even fun eating. Yeah. It's, not, it's, 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 it's a chore. Yeah. It's just too much. And so the average person isn't like that. And because we're trying to portray realistic behavior and imagined circumstances, circumstances when is this dude gonna find time to get this jacked yeah it's like every time uh schwarzenegger tries to do a role where he's an architect or something okay yeah okay arnie and you just left the classic to go what design a building yeah 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 yeah. i don't know stuff like that he's a muscular robot i say the new terminator movie is funny where he's like this like robot that has a conscience it's like the weirdest thing in the world yeah that shit killed me I, like, I thought that like ten minutes. Yeah, yeah. Like when he's talking about the girls' room with the drip. No, you need polka dots. <laughs> oh my god, that was that was hilarious. I don't know why that would. They just wanted fanfare. People wanted to see Arnold. 
I did I puff at the end when he when he said this is for John when he burnt himself up. I did get like a little misty in my left eye. I was like, ah, oh, yeah. damn. Yeah, they they hit, they hit a couple of the right emotional notes. Just not enough of them. Yeah, yeah. They I, they knew what they were doing to a degree. I liked the villain. It was good. It was it was good yeah. for the most part. It was it, nice. As far as a reboot or uh, you know a retcon of of the other movies go, it wasn't the worst. Yeah. I just don't know where else you go with that with that franchise. Yeah. It's clear that you're not going to stop the end of the world. Wow. They never can. Every movie exactly. they try. Anyway. Yeah. Time travel films. Well, how do you feel about time travel? In reality or in films? Reality. We've talked about um, time travel on the show. I think, I think it. one, I don't think you'd want to go backwards because you would die. Um, I think going back in time to anywhere past the last 50 years, you're going to eat something and your gut bacteria is going to have a bad reaction to it and you're going to die. You're getting more, you're more logical with it. Yeah. Like I think the food they ate would kill you. The water they drank and the way they subsisted would shock you. Yeah. You, you wouldn't make it. Um, it's a great concept. Yeah. Fantastic story device. I think maybe you could go forward, but who's to say you wouldn't encounter the same problem if you went forward in time? That's true. I mean, yeah. it's it it creates a lot of different health issues as far as like, well, what's your survivability rate? You know, unless you bring all your own shit with you. Yeah. What's your actual like in reality, that's the way I look at it. I think there might be I was doing some research a while back on this fella, Dr. David Jacobs. Um, He claimed that they had found a way to manipulate time, not necessarily time travel, but to plant a seed, let's say, put it in a chamber and turn a dial. I'm just breaking this down. Mm -hmm. Uh, Turn a dial and accelerate the rate and time in that particular place to grow the plant at an exponential rate. So essentially you're taking that one isolated place and fast forwarding time around it to accelerate the growth of the plant. Whether that's actually possible or not, I don't know. Maybe he seemed to think it was, he had some pretty for the layperson looked pretty convincing. I haven't heard anything from him in a while, but then again, he's, who even knows with the internet these days. Um, I try not to believe too much of what I read on the internet. I'm a, I'm a facts guy. You know, I need to see it. I need to touch it. I need to, I need it to be a real thing for me to actually put any weight behind it, but who knows? It could be time dilation is what he called it. That's what it was. Time dilation technology. Um, allegedly India and China were working on a similar technology. Um, Maybe I think it would be an interesting, it's an interesting story though. Um, Growing an army, let's say, let's say there's a superpower out there that attains this technology and they just grow soldiers. The future. That's that's kind of a cool concept. That is, you know, you could, you could just have like the, 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 the scene I see is just like these big, almost like shipping container boxes dropping down. And it's just like a factory situation of these pods, like popping out fully grown soldiers, kind of like orcs. 
Yeah. Um, but obviously more futuristic. I don't know. Kind of a cool image. I don't know if there's a whole story there. I don't know how you build the whole story around a piece of technology. I feel like that's probably not a good story. It could um, be done. Big it money. could be an element of the story. A lot of money. Uh, oh yeah, that's a ton of money. That's Spielberg money. Oh yeah, that's like that's like big money. Yeah. Well, I mean, it'd be it'd be very I'd be very curious to see. You know, we've talked about the old time slips, time travel. Mm. You believe in like um, portals? You get down with portals at all? Um. Yeah. I, I've. I think it's an interesting concept. I mean, if uh, you look back at let's say uh, Jack Parsons. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the name of Jack Parsons. Yeah. Uh, the guy who founded uh, the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, JPL. He allegedly, he's a wild character. If you dig into him at all, he was uh, mystic, um, into some Saturnalia, all sorts of crazy shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like it. Fascinating. Uh, he, he was a libertarian, but not like modern libertarians. He was more of a liberal libertarian, which is weird to think about. Um, he allegedly, during some of his early testing on jet fuel, and this is all according to, to myth, um, opened a portal and made contact with the god Pan. Um, not like the medieval rendition of pan you know where it's like the little dude with the horns and the the fey legs and all that stuff i'm talking like pan the god of chaos the lord of nature and not just nature on earth like the universe a universal deity allegedly is what these guys encountered um who then proceeded to give them information about how to continue on and and you know it was an accident that they managed to contact him but Parsons knew enough, allegedly, to kind of roll with it. Yeah. And uh, some strange uh, circumstances surrounding his death. Some people think he was he was assassinated. Um, he had a lab experiment. They were moving labs. And they were dealing with the highly volatile chemicals and fuels. Um, and there was an explosion that ended up taking Jack Parsons' life. Um, the initial blame for the explosion was on him on error on his part that he dropped something Mm. that caused the explosion but witnesses at the scene um and who worked with parsons at jpl said there was a blast and then there was the secondary blast from whatever jack was moving you know so something triggered somebody somebody blew him up and then whatever he was working on blew up it was is what their conjecture is but yeah, he's allegedly got a star child out there somewhere um, that he had went through like a uh, sex ritual, all sorts of crazy shit. You should you should totally dig into Jack Parsons. I'm look, I've heard the name before and a little bit about him, but I'm gonna dive a little deeper. Yeah, he's one of those real real life people that you can look at and be like, wow, that's some crazy shit. I like these um, like geniuses. Yeah. Yeah, uh, another person connected with Parsons or who did a lot of research on Parsons that you should check out because I think he's phenomenal is, uh, hold on, Robert Anton Wilson. I've heard that name, yeah. Yeah, you go down those rabbit holes and you end up not using the word is in a sentence for eight years. (laughs) True story. Yeah. I, uh, I, as a thought experiment from one of the books that I read, 
Um, I first eliminated the word is from my writing because is denotes a level of permanence that nothing actually has. Hmm. Um, it's a level of, it, this is that, you know, okay. kind of a, you know, so I, removing, I removed the word is from my writing. That took about a year. And then I slowly started to remove the word is from the way I speak. I've, I've let that slide over the years because yeah. it's mentally exhausting. But for about eight years, I never intentionally said the word is in a sentence. Um, because it forces you to actually stop and think. How would you construct this sentence without is? Yeah. And when you, it, when you stop and think about how you're going to say something, avoiding a very common word, I found that it forced me to be more thoughtful and more detailed and more deliberate in the way that I speak. I don't, I, it helped me eliminate the use of ums and uh, stuff like that. You know, it helped me drop those habits in my speech and in my writing. Um, it helps keep things simple, but more detailed, if that makes sense. Yeah. Jeez. Fun little thought experiment. Huh? Fun little thought experiment. Yeah. Good. It's like uh, bettering yourself stuff, though, because, I mean, keeping you sharp. It's good. Yeah. uh, Robert Anton Wilson pioneered the concept of uh, reality tunnels. Are you familiar with that? Also, like, if you have a lecture hall at the end of a long hallway, and you have X number of people walk down that hallway and sit in a lecture hall, and then have each of those people describe the hallway to you. Almost all of them will give you a different description of the exact same hallway. Everybody's going to notice something different. It's going to appear a different way to a different person. And that's reality. So we're all, we all have these fixed reality tunnels that we're in. And we're all looking at the same picture, but we're all seeing it differently. It's true. Deep. Very deep. This might be our deepest episode, right? That's what you get. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't do light. I like it. Light and fluffy. Like it. Not, that's not my bag. I, uh, yeah, overly serious sometimes. <laughs> yeah. The um. So now, do you do you believe in ghosts, or do you, what's your take on ghosts? Spirits. Getting back to where all energy, maybe it's an imprinting. Yeah. You know, like uh, Gettysburg, let's say. You know, you die in such a horrific fashion in this particular place, and you've expended so much energy there that maybe it leaves it an imprint on it. That it's something that we just don't understand yet. Um, yeah, I think it's possible. I, I, we live in such a vast unexplained universe that it just there's too much for me to say definitively one way or another no ghosts don't exist I'm not going to go out there and try and prove it yeah. you know I'm going to let the universe put in front of me the things that I need to have put in front of me um, but yeah no it, um, there's a house that I'm doing some work on uh, it's where I'm headed after this actually uh, it was built in the 1820s let's say here in Dover and the owner of it built it specifically to help with the underground railroad. Uh, So it's a massive sprawling property with rooms upon rooms and doorways and passages and 
two separate basements completely not connected to each other. Um, all sorts of wild stuff. Uh, Mr. Neely was his name. He passes on and I'm working on the house. And one of the guys that's over there working with us, um, we're talking about the case about trunks. He's like, Oh, well, my dad was the mayor of Summersworth in the years this took place. I was like, what? He's like, yeah. Do you want to talk to him? Somebody who I'd never even hoped of. Yeah. Knowing was still alive or getting in touch with, or actually being able to sit down and talk about what it was like back then. Like what are the chances that this random guy, his dad happens to be the mayor of the town that I'm investigating or the former mayor. You know, that's, that's a, so Mr. Neely allegedly haunts the house. And I think Mr. Neely helped put us together. I think, yeah, there's an energy that definitely wants it made. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, it is. It feels like it's, it's getting poured on from different, all sorts of different angles. Yeah. And I just need to get my ass a little bit more in gear and start actually hammering down on some of it. Hey, when you were serving, did you see or hear any stories of paranormal or anything like that? Or I UFO. I know there's a lot of like UFO talk sometimes with unidentified flying objects and such. Uh, not so much. I, when I was overseas, I poked into some stuff that I probably shouldn't have been poking around into. Yeah. Uh, just because of, because, um, you know, looking through, looking through drives with, with security accesses, you know, it got me followed around base for a little while. Really? Yeah. Some of the stuff I was, I was trying to poke into cause it wasn't even like, I spotted this guy following yeah. me. Um, I'm not trying to brag or anything. This scared the shit out of me. Right. <laughs> Because um, he's always just at enough of a distance to where I couldn't see anything on his uniform. You know, I couldn't make out any of the patches or anything that was named. I couldn't see. He was always just that far away. Yeah. And uh, I hadn't said anything about it until one of my battle buddies I was like, hey, um, bro, is that dude following you? Like, that's when I knew it was real. Because it's, you know, it's small enough base. It's a big enough base to where you can run into somebody over and over and over again. Um. But then when my battle buddies were all like, hey, I'm pretty sure he's following you. Not us, you. What the fuck is going on with this? Like, I don't know, but that was enough to get me to back off. Um, yeah, that was enough to get me to back off in that instance. Um, I saw some, some shit uh, flying around. I took a picture of just a beautiful sunset. Absolutely gorgeous. And then there's this big bright object way off on the side. I didn't even notice until like three or four days later when I went to post the picture. I was like, Hey, uh, anybody want to tell me what the, what the hell this is? Yeah. You know, like, that's obviously the sun. That's a lens flare. What's that? You know, and it's, uh, Afghanistan's an old country. Uh, it's an old region of the world that has a lot of legends. Giants. They talk about Gi- giants over there. Yeah. The le- giants. Um, Hold on a second. I just remembered something. Um, sorry. Hey, you remember the Giants? We talked about them in an episode where there are these big seven-foot-tall. They were warriors. They were like, I think they were like uh, supposedly uh, mortal women that had uh, sex with gods or something like that was the claim. If I remember. Yeah, the Nephilim and such. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, I hate to cut this thing short because we're having such a good time and we're talking about a lot of really cool stuff, but I just remembered I'm supposed to be working. So, <laughs> All right. 
Well, and I'm actually I'm actually in my buddy's car, and I left him at the job site. So, <laughs> I will. T- well, well, nobody will tell him. You'll just say you got a flat or something. Yeah, we'll tell him about the show. It's all right. That's fine. We'll we'll figure something out. But I gotta get I gotta get to Home Depot and buy some stuff. <laughs> well, thanks for coming on. We'll have you on again. Yeah, dude, no problem. I appreciate it. This has been a great conversation. I hope we can pick it up and uh, and get more in depth on any of the topics that we've already touched on and anything else you guys want to talk about because this is a lot of fun. Absolutely, man. We'll have you back on for sure. We got a bunch of different shows too. Fantastic. Let me know and I'll be more than happy to pop up on any of them. All right, cool. All right, Ethan. Have fun. Thank Peace. you, sir. Later. Have a good one, guys. All right. Take Bye. 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 So the uh, yeah, you remember the the the, the Ephilim there killing him up. Ephilim yeah. not to be confused with phlegm. You know, um, I like that. I know the episode, the witch thing in the beginning was real cool. That was getting to me a little bit because the witches creeped me out. And I remember that. I don't know if you ever listened to that witch episode. I know you. You know you you weren't here. For, unable you weren't didn't make it for that episode. But that witch episode, some some gnarly stuff talking about these witches because. Uh, very creepy stuff. And like I said before, it's like weird that witches, that they're categorized with vampires and werewolves and all that shit, but they're the only thing that's actually somewhat realistic because it's just, it's almost just uh, curses and ma- black magic stuff, you know what I mean? And spells, uh, bad energy, uh, good energy, I guess, depending who you are. I don't know the deal. But, uh, the witch thing's a really weird element. And the story he was telling, I was getting witch in my head. Every now and then when people tell stories, I get flashes in my head of certain things. Like if we're like when we're doing the story of the, the legends and stuff, and I would say, well, it makes sense for this to happen. You know, I got flashes of witches like that, which would be a very cool tie into the story. You know what I mean? I won't go any further because he's got a film to make, and I'm looking forward to seeing that film. I want to see his new film too, his directorial debut. Ray, what'd you take from that interview? Uh, interesting stuff there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, some of it, I think that, like, if you take reincarnation. Yeah. Um, I think that as human beings, we limit ourselves. There's nothing to say that our essence, whatever it may be, energy or otherwise, soul, can't bounce around through the universe from life form to life form. Yeah. On its uh, journey to reconnect with uh, the source. I mean, you know, whether as someone before was uh, from the animal kingdom or whether they were from another dimension or another planet, it's all possible. We just as human beings tend to think that uh, we're at the top of the chain in the universe, never mind on the planet. Yeah. And that's, that's basically, a, basically a problem we have at our ego. But uh, yeah, we could have lived before on the other side of a galaxy in another different form. And we're here to learn lessons in this form. I like it. I thought you I felt like you guys, there was different. We could have got some good debates going with you two. I felt in certain situations. Well, he was a guest and uh, typically with guests, I let them have their say. If there's a question or something, I'll say it, but you know, it's, it's good to let them get it out there. That, that's why they came on. Nah, good man. I'm with you. I do the same thing myself. Same thing myself. Ethan's a great dude. Uh, anybody out there want to check out Ethan Rogers, you know, check out IMDb. 
dot uh, com for you know what he's got going on and stuff. He's got a Facebook page. Uh, you could you'll find him tagged probably with Boombastic Media's. We'll tag him for this. So uh, anybody who who listens to this and likes uh, Ethan's deal and wants to get know more about him, definitely will be they'll be able to click his link and go from there. But with that being said, folks, we want to wish you a fantastic evening, and we'll catch y'all on the next episode of Mostly Ghostly. <laughs>